Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello, we are here, and I am Courtney, and Matt is here. We are here, and I am Matt, and Courtney is here. <laughs> I would never always know how to just get straight into it, because the promo will have just played that has said our names, and said that they're listening to the podcast, so you don't... What else do you say? Yes, I am Courtney. You know what I would say? Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Matt and here is with me as always is Courtney. How are you, dear? Yeah, but that's what we always used to say, right? I'm, I'm good, by the way. Thank you. But I, I was thinking about it and I'm just wondering if it doesn't make much sense to say that because the promo has would have just played and it says... The Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney. Who else would we be? Awkward silence. <laughs> so, yeah, as you're probably not aware of this by now, but Courtney's a bit of an overthinker. <laughs> Welcome to just a, a sneak preview <laughs> of my actual life. Oh, did I close the roller door? I'm not overthinking that. That's a legitimate. Did I, did I lock that door? It's a legitimate question. Anyway. Right. What are we here to do? That's why I thought I'd just start with, hi. Yep. Cool. Okay. Anyway. Two minutes of my life I'll never get back. We're moving on. So, welcome. We are going to be talking about the ladder of accountability today. So, we're going to be talking about what it is and explaining how it works. Yeah. So, the ladder of accountability is something that Courtney and I have introduced to our clients as kind of, I suppose, like a, a compass to be able to honestly reflect on where you are in the journey of accountability because we may have mentioned this once or twice or 5,000 times in the history of this show that accountability is critical with this. I mean, not just with a weight loss journey, with any form of measurable form of success we want to achieve in life, there must be a form of accountability. No different with what we do with our clients. So we've introduced the ladder, which um, has a number of steps along that ladder to help people identify like, hey, where are you really with this? And now we're going to be introducing it to you as we're now going to be sharing it on our socials mm -hmm. and getting it out there into the world because we believe this is kind of a big deal. Just ask us. So what Courtney and I are going to do is just take you through each step, step by step, and then be able we can then relate the steps to where we've been personally along the way ourselves, but also obviously with the perspective as coaches, very easy to relate this to work with clients. Like that's the purpose of the whole thing. Yes. But also just for you listening, for your benefit, we we are, as I said, we'll be releasing uh, visuals of this infographics on our socials, but also you can find it on the show notes page for this episode over on our website, which is, Courtney? Theweightlosspodcast.com. Still got it. Yeah. All right. So let's just, let's just lay in, okay? Mm -hmm. So as I said before, this is a ladder with multiple steps along the way, and we are going to go from the bottom to the top. So let's start here, Courtney. The first, the first rung on the ladder is denial. People here pretend that there is not a problem and willingly ignore it. Welcome to the first 25 years of my life. <laughs> like, hi, hi, my name's Matt. How are you going? This was my deal. Yeah. You? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So for me, from my perspective, like I knew I was unhappy. I knew I was kind of overweight, but I would just literally just ignore. To me, this this is the stage where like nothing's ready to occur mm. at all because you haven't fully grasped or taken ownership of the situation. Yeah. So when people are at, from talking as a coach now, if someone is at this stage, don't come and ask me how to lose weight because mm. you ain't ready. Yeah, well, I think it says everything when it's like what you described. There's people pretend that there's a problem. Pretend Sorry, there pretend there's not, not a problem. How are you going? I think that I, th- I think that that's like been definitely me um, and a lot of people, but I think that with denial, it's just one of those things that, for me, I knew that I was unhappy, but. I didn't – part of the denial, I think, and I I see this in a lot of people, is that they're not relating the unhappiness to the weight. And I think that's part of the denial that they're willing to ignore. And maybe maybe because if they they don't ignore it, they have to try to fix it. I don't know. But I think that's part of the denial, and it was for me, that I knew I was unhappy, but that the denial was sort of – making the connection in those early stages between the unhappiness and the weight. There was always some other reason for the unhappiness. Is part of the denial where you would say to yourself, oh, you know, it's just who I am or it's how I'm meant to be? Yeah. Well, it's not that bad. That's what I was getting to next, which is where you've come from. Oh, I'm not that bad. Not Not that bad. Do you reckon that slots in here? Yeah. Because you, you, for me especially, it was it was not associating the unhappiness with the weight. Okay, it's a good way of putting it. Mm. So you're just trying to find a different reason why you're unhappy. Yep. Now I can say, um, and I'll get your thoughts on this too, Courtney. But talking from a professional standpoint, I don't see many clients in this spot because we wouldn't work with them if they were in this spot. For starters, but also to be fair, they wouldn't come to us. Yeah, people wouldn't. People in this in this situation. Put it this way: if you are listening to this podcast, you are beyond this already. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, P- people that are in this denial stage don't seek out help. Yeah, you know, you haven't you haven't gone onto your, your podcast app and put in the term weight loss into the search bar. So you know, obviously, you listening, no doubt, can relate to this stage. But the fact that you're here listening means you're past this. Good stuff. Yeah. We'll go to the next one. Yep. Would you like to read the next one out? I can. So number two is blaming. Mm. People here are aware of the problem. Sorry, people here are aware the problem exists, but deny responsibility and blame shift. Fucking blame shifting. Do you know what I hate more than blame shifting? Nothing. Top of the list. This is the, this is that stage where, and this is one we see all the time. It's fucking the kids, my fucking wife, fucking my job. Oh, it's everyone except me. It's everything except me. It's not my fault. I'm this way. It's X. Mm. Please. Yeah. Now, have you been in this stage yourself at all? Yeah. Really. Yeah. Would you like to elaborate? To me, it was more blame blaming, um, sort of the denying responsibility part. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to take responsibility for mistakes that we make. So it is until you get practice at it. Yeah, mm. I, th- I, I I don't know. There's some people that just still never find it comfortable. Like it's not a comfortable feeling to me to admit when you make mistakes. So you still do it. I think the practice comes in being able to identify it early and, and sort of deal with it and move on. But to me, it's not a comfortable emotion. So um, I think denying responsibility was a big one for me, definitely at the start. Like, it couldn't be what I'm eating. I don't eat that badly. So where were you assigning the responsibility then? Um, 
Where was I assigning the responsibility? I think early days it was definitely like, well, I've always just been big. Ah, part of denial. Yeah. So it was always, you know, it's just the way that it is. So there was no real responsibility blamed. Like I didn't blame my parents or I didn't want to blame myself. What about work? Um, Yeah, there was a bit of blaming of work there. I used to work on the road a lot. So Mm. I would say, oh, well, you know, I'm not in an office to make myself lunch. So I would just get takeaway whenever I was out. Through the drive So Yeah, so there's definitely where there was a bit of blaming there. Um, And then when I worked in um, my second job where I was working very long split hours, it Mm. was very much a, well, I didn't have time to stop and eat. Um, So, yeah, there was definitely work-related blaming in there. Mm. Um, There was work-related blaming for not exercising. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that that probably in my personal history would be more of the where my blame shifting went because being the people pleaser that I am, I would never have wanted to blame somebody mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'd be more blaming things, things, situations, yeah. and circumstances, time, time yeah. work, um, energy levels, things like that. Yeah, I I can uh, I can put my hand up for this one as well. So. I would never blame others, but I would also blame circumstances and situations. So I've oh, fucking I've been a big day at work. I'm just I'm too tired. Oh, I'm not going to go to the gym today. I'll go tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. Oh, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go next week. Mm. Usual sort of shit. But also, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I haven't got the time, which is always. The most common thing you hear from people, they're at this stage. I haven't got the time. Mm. Uh, never. I did also actually, thinking more about it, I did often blame the weather. That's oh, too hot. That's <laughs> oh, too cold. That's oh, raining too much. It's it's too something. Yeah. There's just too much weather, and I can't handle this. Yeah. Um, from a from a coaching perspective, uh. This is where I will usually start to see with clients that have got a, a fair way to go because I start to trot out. I sort of, it's not me. It's the fucking program. Mm. It's my job. I haven't got the time. I guess, oh, it's just too much for me. Like, mate, no. Like, calm your farm. It's you. Mm. But this is, this is the first, this is normally the first rung that I'll see clients that, Maybe you're starting to sort of understand without admitting it that like, oh, shit, there's a lot of work to be done here. Mm. And a lot of them aren't ready to actually do the work that's required with this. Yeah. And for a lot of people that haven't got to a level of personal responsibility or as Courtney likes to say, extreme ownership, who wants to – like for someone that's in this sort of position, they're not going to look and go, oh, you know what, it's me. No, no, something else. That's someone else. And we have heard this. Like we've been told by clients that clearly aren't ready. Oh, the program isn't flexible enough for me. It's like, what? Don't get high on your own supply. What are you fucking saying? You know, blame shifting. Yeah, absolute blame shifting. Just as a uh, call this a friendly word of warning. Blame shifting is a known trigger. For people named Matt, don't do it. Because <laughs> if I hear it and you try it on me, I will call you out a thousand times out of a thousand with no filter. None. I got no time for that shit. Unless, of course, there's it's a reasonable thing. Like, hey, I couldn't get to the gym today because I broke my leg. I had to go get it looked at. Like, okay, go do that, please, and we'll go from there. So I just want to be clear on this. Not everything is an excuse. Some things are reasonable. Yeah. But when you do this long enough and you've lived it long enough, you can see through the shit. Mm. Yeah? Want to go to the next one? Yes. I will take the next one, Courtney. Number three. Yes. We have ascertained that number three comes after number two. Got it. This is just how we roll here. Mm. Okay. Sassy. Mate, 
The third rung on the ladder. Excuses. People he avoid responsibility by, by claiming... Re- con- wow. Wow. <sighs> okay, so we've established that the number three comes after number two. That's just how we roll here. This is what so happens when you the, get sassy. The, 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 when you the, think the, you're little smarty pants, this is what happens. Comes back to slap you in the face. So let's start that again with less sass, shall we? Oh, 100%. Okay, number three is mm-hmm. excuses. People here avoid responsibility by claiming confusion or incompetence. Now... I'll pass it over to you, Courtney, because I'm really clearly starting to struggle already and we've just started this fucking episode, so it's all downhill it's all downhill from here. Oh wow. Mate, I am <laughs> Courtney, go. <laughs> Save me, I'm drowning. Well, excuses, one of these ones, I don't think anyone can claim that they haven't had excuses um ever. Pe- people here avoid claiming responsibility so this is a step up obviously from blaming because at this point we've we've just sort of declared to ourselves that there's a problem that we're unhappy that we need to fix it Mm. we've we're coming closer to the realization that we need to fix it um but there's still roadblocks in the way and we're putting them up for ourselves yeah this is this is one i'll I'll actually start with a, a coaching perspective here. This is one where you'll see um, some clients will be like, oh, well, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. Yes, we fucking did. Here it is. I, I didn't see that on my exercise program. Oh, I didn't see that in the instructions. Oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't read that. Like, stop. Stop. We cover all bases. Not only from that, I think that it's really easy with a process like this to get sucked in that every little thing is 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 a massive deal. And again, we, we get sucked into this idea that we you can't. You mean like saying hello at the start of a podcast episode? Okay. Well, with your how you're going at the moment, buddy, I wouldn't be so sassy. Buddy. Um the um I think that with excuses it to me, often and in my history, it also comes from um, a lack of wanting to just admit mistakes. So I think excuses can come from that as well. So excuses can obviously come from um, it, it's a part of blame shifting. Then you know you make start making excuses for things, for not doing things, for not making your workouts, for not food prepping. Um, I think also excuses come from just not wanting to admit making mistakes. Well, in this case, though, um, we're talking about you know, avoiding responsibility by claiming confusion or incompetence. Um, I know for, for, from a personal perspective, the way I used to talk down to myself, oh, I'm, I'm too dumb. Of course I wouldn't understand that. I'm not smart enough. Mm. You know, And what I did sort of highlight before, oh, well, you didn't tell me. No one told me. I mustn't have got the memo. Have you been there at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I have been. I can't think of any exact examples off the top of my head, but I've definitely um, struggled with excuses over my journey and in in particular claiming confusion or incompetence, probably not incompetence, but, yeah, I definitely would have been guilty of claiming confusion. But... Again, to me personally, I think that also would have come from my my inability over the my early years to ever admit mistakes. Mm-hmm. So instead of admitting, okay, I just made a mistake, it would have been, oh, well, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand. Ah, do you know what I mean? Ah, it's um, like a nice little sidestep. So that's where that's what I mean by sometimes I think that this one comes from people also not just being able to admit that they made a mistake. Mm. Just taking ownership of, hey, it's not a big deal. I just made a mistake, but you turn it into a massive excuse because the inability to just be able to admit that one little thing turns into this massive deal about how you know, oh well, a production. You didn't tell me properly. I didn't know. Yep. So yeah, I I will sort of elaborate on my 
sarcasm before, from a, a coaching standpoint, this is where I have seen this with clients where like this is a bit of a bit of I'll elaborate on this. Whenever whenever Courtney and I will bring a new client on, we are thorough is a understatement with uh, the steps we get them to take to even be ready to actually officially start with us. So we we have our own internal checklist of you know steps we want to take someone through before they even start and things we need them to do. And I have seen it sometimes where an example like this, where you might have someone who they're on their first they're on their first program with us, which is like a 12 week structured block. Okay, cool. Here's a 12 week training overview. Here's, you know, the exercise, for example, we want you to hit. You get to the end of the 12 weeks and you review um, you review their compliance. So, you know, training sessions hit, training sessions missed, among other things. Um, and you'll, you know, you see, oh, okay, this person's been missing various intense cardio sessions. Like, hey, send a message. Hey, we notice that you're missing some training sessions. Just to be safe, please refer back to the 12-week overview that we sent you when you first started. Response, oh, I must have missed that. You sure you sent it? Like, yeah, I'm sure. Here's a screenshot. That's an example I've seen with that. And as I said before, you'll sometimes see clients that will kind of talk themselves down. Oh, you know, I'm just I'm just not smart enough to understand the technology. Like, mate, yes, you are. We're all smart people. Stop. Yeah. Please stop. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that one? No, I think that one's... Would you say now that? We'll go to number four, which as we sort of figured out, also comes after three. Courtney, go. Number four is wait and hope. Which I just, it's just funny. Wait and hope. Sounds like two cats. This is wait and hope. Sorry, okay, moving on. Um. <laughs> How many coffees you had so far today? Two. Is that too much or not enough? No, that's pretty good for me. Okay, so wait and hope, Courtney. Would you like to read out what the definition here is? People here know there is a problem that requires action and they choose not to act. Right. Please allow me to lead off on this one. (laughs) Go for it. This is also part of my life for a long time as well. So once I was past um, the first few stages here, this was the, the big sticking point for me personally after denial. So for me, it was um, wait and hope in terms of, okay, I've started exercising. I'm not going to change anything else. Please, God, make this be enough. Except I was in the wait and hope stage for four years. Yeah. That sucked ass, Mm. to be quite honest. Because it's like you're banging, banging your head against the wall. So I did indeed know there was a problem. And I did indeed know that it required action and I was taking some form of action. I chose the action to be exercise, which, by the way, is a good start. Is it all about the exercise? No. Mm -mm. No, it's not. But that's all I changed, all I was willing to change. And so I would just hope that that would be enough. And, you know, I would honestly go to bed many, many nights just thinking like, geez, you know, I hope the clothes fit better tomorrow. I hope this all starts to sort itself out. Not sort of taking that next step internally to be like, hey, what's the next level of improvement? Yeah. So I was stuck there for four years. Mm. You? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to remember exactly when that would have kicked in for me. I think that there would have been multiple occasions where eventually I started to really identify that I was unhappy because of the way that I looked and it was coming because I was just getting bigger and bigger and then I would see myself in photos. That would be like a big trigger for me because at Mm. the time I would often think that I looked fine Um, but then you'd see yourself in the photos and and, and it just wasn't what I remember feeling like at the time. Mm. Um, or feeling that I looked like, like yeah. it was really um, 
it's not like two people, two different people all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think those were often the times where I would really feel it and I would know that, yeah, this is a problem and I need to fix it. Um, Could this have been where you were before you and I met? Yeah, I think often at that Tread, point though. Girl? Yeah, I think at that point I sort of, to me, I was acknowledging the fact that I needed to do something, but I think it maybe hoping this would be enough. I, I, yeah, I think it was sort of doing minimal changes, hoping that magically it would fix it, or sort of also in that denial about how hard it was going to be to fix it. Okay, is this? I'm glad you said that. Is this the part where people get to where they, you kind of get a sense of entitlement where you hope to get the most amount of results from the least amount of effort put in? Yeah, but I don't know if entitlement's the right word. Maybe, and maybe it, sometimes it is. I don't, I don't look back at the way that I was feeling at that time and think that I was feeling entitled. Like, I don't, I don't. I wasn't okay. Just to be clear, I'm not relating this to you personally. No, I just know a, a general discussion. I'm, yeah, and so I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think people would be considered entitled at that at that point point. But for me, at that time, I think I probably understood how hard it was going to be. Okay, and I was fearful of that more so than entitled. Fearful in what way? Just of the the pain. The discomfort. Vul- the discomfort, the vulnerability, you've got to put it out there. Just a collection of emotions I wasn't willing to dive into. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's where I think for me it was that waiting and hoping that minimal things would make magically make a difference so I didn't have to... Get yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Good way of putting it. Anything else you want to add here before I give um, one more little perspective? Um, no. Just um, tell me what you think of this. From a coaching standpoint, this is where you'll see clients where I think wait and hope and should be in brackets here, avoidance. Mm. So avoiding the next steps, avoiding the next things that need to be improved upon to take more steps forward. Mm. So where I've seen this with clients is – picking and choosing the things that they want to work on and the things that suit them, which to begin with, you know what? That's what we call a starting point. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the good, the, a good way to start. Long-term, if you stay in that mentality, you're going to hit a plateau and that's as far as you're going to go. Yeah. And you then got to take those, you've got to be willing to take those next steps on, okay, what are the next, what are the next habits or the next, you know, sticking points or whatever that require Choices and action. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll see people from a wait and hope perspective thinking like, okay, what I did got me to this level. I hope I can keep doing this to get to the next levels. Mm-hmm. And then when it becomes apparently obvious that that's not how it's going to go, a decision has to be made. I agree. I also think that you look at... Blaming, excuses, and wait and hope. Yeah. So two, three, and four, I think, are very close together because mm. they all relate to each other. They are kind of evolving off each other, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So I think they obviously need their own space, each one of those, but I think that you can really sort of see areas of each of those in behaviour. Yeah. I, I would say um, a very high percentage of the people that we work with will be here at the wait and hope stage in some form. Mm. Um, Where I see it a lot is where a client, as I said, will make good improvements, but then hope that's enough to live happily ever after. Oh yeah. And I've, and I've been there several times, several times. To be fair, I have too. Yeah. Make, make good um, improvements you start really well and then it's that hoping waiting and hoping that this is it this is all I need to do yeah you don't need to push harder now from your perspective what's the reality oh you've that? always got to push harder 
in what ways? Well, you've always got how, to... How do you phrase this? I feel like there's always something to improve and I feel like the, the waiting part and the hoping part that doesn't lend itself to improvement in some way. Stagnation, isn't it? So you can always improve on something, whether it be tiny or big. I also think the wait and hope area doesn't lend itself to goal setting well. And we've spoken about it so much that you have to goal set. Mm. You have to. And even when you think you've reached a milestone, you have to then goal set again. What's next? Um, and the wait and hope doesn't lend itself to that. And that that's all that's why in, in the past, especially for me, that's one of the things that has led me to the wait and hope section because yeah. I get complacent mm. and I think that what I've done is enough. Yeah. And then I wait and I hope that it is. And I, then by the time I figure out that it wasn't, well, shit, I'm back down to I'm back down to more, one. I've got some more work to do. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, being stuck here at wait and hope necessarily will guarantee you're you're going back all the way down to the bottom. To me, it just means you're stuck here longer. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's I, not a given. No, yeah. Because the thing is, um, sometimes you will see people will really go off the deep end and fall down the ladder. I don't think it's actually too often. I generally will see from just from you know, personal perspective here, I will generally see people that will get some decent results to start with, um, get to this stage, and as I said, think or hope this should hopefully be enough, but then not when it becomes obvious that, hey, I'm kind of stuck here in the same spot, not take that sort of next step internally to go, okay, shit, I've got to step my game up again. And yeah. that is actually a secret with this, with um, with successful weight loss. Like what you do at the start probably isn't going to get you where you want to get to ultimately. You've got to level up. Mm. You have to. From training to the whole, the whole sort of meal prep and planning side of things to obviously accountability, but also different habits that will crop up because – the bad habits you think you've got now, like you've got other bad habits you aren't aware of yet. Mm. They'll become very apparent as you work on the ones that you know about yeah. right now. But a lot of people get stuck here at wait and hope because they're sort of really just praying to themselves like, shit, please make this enough. And that's where I'll see, especially with clients, they'll hit that plateau. They'll get some great results, be it over three months, six months, nine months, even 12 months, and it's like, shit, you've done well, but... And we told them this, if you want to get to the next couple of levels, you then have to level up your processes and what you're doing day in, week in, month in, etc. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, okay, if you want to achieve more, are you willing to take those next steps, in this case, up the ladder? Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, I agree. I think oh. the one thing, though, with the wait and hope section that you're saying is it's not necessarily guaranteed that you're going to fall back down, but... You could be stuck there. You're going to be stuck there. Mm. And while you're stuck there, you'd want to hope that nothing significantly derails some part of your life. Yep. Because that's when I, it's too hard to stay stuck there. And that's when you will fall down. We'll go to number five, which uh, I will attempt to read out and not butcher. Yeah? Yeah. Number five, acknowledge reality. People here let go of magical thinking and are realistic of their circumstances. This is um, very often, in my opinion, this is where people will have their snap point. Yeah. Yeah, this is a giant leap. So we've obviously started with denial, and denial is a giant leap, I think, up to to blame. Um, so denial sort of one, one is sort of down there on its own, and, and as I said, I think two, three, and four are, are closer together, and now we've taken another giant step up to five. Completely agree. Um, I can, from my personal experience, this is a thousand percent my snap point. Yeah. Where it's like, fuck it, you know what? I'm taking ownership of this shit. It's, it's go time. Well, I think it's everybody's snap point once they yeah. reach this spot because you can't acknowledge reality without really snapping into mm-hmm. oh shit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, th- I think that this is definitely sort of a snap point for people. You're acknowledging reality of where you're at, where you've been, where you want to go, what, what it's going to take to get there. What got you where you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
personal experience here? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I've definitely been in that hope, uh, wait and hope section for, mm. um, for, a, well, not for a while, but for multiple times um, throughout my journey, and I think that each time, it what sort of snapped me out of it, or or what I've become better at, I have to say, is acknowledging the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. So each time I find myself in that wait and hope or the excuses section or the blaming section, the acknowledging reality is the one that always brings me back to the present. So, yeah, definitely, you know, letting go of that magical thinking. So letting go of that delusions that we tell ourselves, well, I did, like, I don't look that bad. I'm not that unhappy with myself. Well, that person's bigger than me, so that means I'm not that bad. Like, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm not. I'm not that unhappy with the way that I look. Oh, I'm having a good day today. I'm. I'm I don't yeah. look too bad today. Um, I quite like this outfit. Um, yeah, the magical thinking, or no, I haven't. I haven't gone that far backwards. Mm. You know, because this isn't just about when I first started. Because I've I've had multiple situations over my journey where I've I've put kilos back on. Mm-hmm. Um. And being able to acknowledge that, and the reality of okay, what happened? What did it, what what happened here? What yep. have I done? Mm-hmm. What have I done? And being able to sort of see it clearly. That there's a powerful phrase. What have I done? Yeah. What have mm. I done? Mm. What have I done here? Not what's happened to me, or what you know, what did my work do, or you know. How yeah. did how did a worldwide pandemic ruin my life? You know, yeah, you've moved you've moved past um, external blame shifting. I I reckon people that come to us for help have just either hit this stage or have just gone a little bit past it. Mm-hmm. This is this is at, at a minimum. This is where people need to be, where we would want to talk to them about maybe we can help them or not. Yeah, you've got to get to this stage. Yeah. And this is actually the minimum for where we want people that would come to us for help, where it's like, hey, I'm unhappy with whatever it might be. Like, you know, I don't look good in my clothes. I don't look good out of my clothes. I'm in pain most days. My energy levels are shit. Mm. Or I'm not living my best life, whatever that best life in your mind you want it to be, but I'm not there. Or, you know, basic ones. I can't. I can't get off the toilet without pain or struggle or I can't keep up with my kids, mm-hmm. you know. But also, when they're at this stage, they understand, you know what, there's work involved here. Yeah. Something has to something has to be done, but I have to be the one to do something about it. Yeah. And that is the minimum stage where we want people. Anything before this, don't come to us. No. Not yet. When you're here... As a minimum, when you're here, like, okay, we can talk. Because normally, when people get to this stage, they've also got to the point where they realize, you know what? All those dumb fuck diets I've done and all that shit I've abused myself with, that hasn't worked. Because yeah. guess what? I'm a lot poorer financially, but I'm still just as unhappy and I still look and feel like shit. Yeah. That's where we want people yep. to begin with. Now, thing is... And I've seen this a lot with clients. Tell me what you reckon here, Courtney. I will have very much seen people go from step five back down to step four. Yeah. Very much so. Like, hey, I've got a problem. I want to solve it. I want help. We get underway and they drop off or they disappear. They stop putting in effort and they've gone back down, usually to wait and hope. If not, maybe even a little bit further. I think the ones that fully disappear tend to go back down further, mm-hmm. but definitely going back down to wait and hope, in my opinion, just from my experience, was always when I was starting to get a little too complacent with what I was doing and I wasn't yeah. willing to, to do the next step because I knew it was going to be harder or it was going to involve more sacrifice from me and I just wasn't willing to do it yet. I and think- I was hoping that the area I was in was going to be enough. I think for anyone that gets here to step five with acknowledging the reality, tell me if you agree with this, Courtney, it is going to be 
primarily complacency that will make them slide back down to at least step four. Yeah. Getting a little bit too comfortable. You're sort of smelling yourself a little bit too much. And you know what? I've been just as guilty too. You think, fuck, I got this figured out. And then all of a sudden, like, what the fuck has happened? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add or do we go and move on? I think we'll move on to six, which is own it and take a position. People here own the problem and honour their commitment and responsibilities. Mm. This is where we start to get into, from from a coaching standpoint, the realm of like good client. Good client and also the sign of a person who gives a shit and is, you know, they've they've made some form of commitment, be it a gym membership or even like a promise to a, a friend or a, a family member, like, hey, you know, like I want to work on this and I'm going to, this is how I'm going to do it and actually beginning to follow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. Um, personally speaking for me, this is where, um, you know, I want to you know work on my, when I was younger, work on my binge drinking with alcohol. Like this is the next step for me. Mm-hmm. I want to work on this. Or, you know, I'm going to put effort into, you know, making my own food and becoming less reliant on takeaway. For some people, it could be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up with a PT. Yeah. And I'm going to stick this out. I think just, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to put words in your mouth here, Courtney, but from, from my perspective as a trainer, this is where you and I first met. Yeah. We started working together. Yep. Back before you shamelessly hit on me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I had come to the acknowledgement by then that I definitely needed help, um, that it was a problem. Wanted help. That I wanted help. Um, and then I guess the committing to, to the, and, you know, committing to something was I'm going to ask for help from somebody and I'm going to invest the money into into getting that help. You know, as, as you mentioned, telling – I told my friends and, like, my very close friends, my family, mm. what I was doing. Um, and then, yeah, I think that that's a big, big step. I think um, you used the key word just before, investment. Mm. This is where you do start to make investments. Now – do I just mean financially? No. Is financial part of the, this sort of commitment and responsibility and investment? Absolutely it is. But it's not just that. It's time. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mental and emotional energy. You know, like, you know, I'm going to commit to creating a lifestyle for myself that will assist in turning this around. Yeah. That is indeed another big step up from acknowledging reality because to me this here this he's taking action on it and it's it is it's always going to come with some sort of form of sacrifice because as we've spoken about you can't make changes if you're doing the same thing well it's not change is it so you're comfortable in your life Mm. and you're comfortable with the way that it is so Mm. everyone's going to have to sacrifice something because you can't keep doing what you've always been doing. Well, I mean, if you if you keep doing what got you into the mess, like how the fuck are you going to get out of it? So that also has to be a commitment and a responsibility of knowing that this is going to come with un- uncomfortable moments and times. Yes, I do agree the investment has to be in time as well because it's time for yourself. It's time to be exercising. It's time to be work um, meal prepping. But... It also is it's going to have to come with that mental energy that you spoke of Matt comes I think a lot in the um, also the commitment of of having to make sacrifices to get this well I think yeah that the way I would phrase it just from my own personal viewpoint is being willing to embrace change and in many cases the discomfort that comes with that and yeah there are sacrifices that need to be made like you know I how can I expect to keep eating the same food that poisoned my body, hoping it'll have a different effect yeah. and get me in better shape or improve my, my general health and energy levels? Like that's just 
Look delusional. I mean, we're saying the same thing. I just personally, I like to use the word sacrifice because yep. I feel like people shy away from it. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of health, health and fitness marketing campaigns out there that really sort of promise no sacrifice and it's just false. Nobody likes yeah, the word bullshit. sacrifice. That's bullshit. Everybody will use the words like change and I feel like for a lot of people they hear the word change and they think, oh, yeah, change. But use the word sacrifice and it's a different meaning and I think that's why people shy away from using it and it's the same thing. So everyone's going to have to get used to it. I um, am a little bit different to that because just to me personally, sacrifice to me does encompass giving things up but may not encompass what can replace those things. Yeah. And I know, I know that's why a lot of the times you don't use it. But, yeah, just for me personally, I, I went through a big stage, stage where I didn't quite understand that it came with sacrifice. Fucking earth it does. And sacrifice is going to be different for every person. And because what my life leading into my – that led to me, you know, becoming overweight and unhealthy is different to what the next person will lead to them and that they're going to have to change. So, like you, for instance, Matt, had to work on your um, binge alcohol drinking. I never had that. I've never had a big problem with alcohol, never been a big drinker. Couldn't care less if I never had another alcoholic beverage in my life. Don't really care. Mm -hmm. But there's other things that I had to work on and give up. So that was sacrifice to me. Yep. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, I could also, rant on. No, no, this is really good because it's different perspectives and this is valuable stuff. Yeah. I just feel like for me sometimes I like to use the word sacrifice because to me I don't think I, like, I heard it enough when I was starting. And, yeah, everyone's going to be different. Some people are going to prefer the word change. Well, I mean, you know, six to one, half dozen to another. But would you say or would you agree that I mean, obviously, I know you'll agree that sacrifice is a big part of this. Like, yes, the it is. Very often, though, sacrifice is followed by um, change or replacing. Yeah. So, yes, something things will need to be sacrificed, but other things will come in to fill those voids. Correct. Or other things should come in to fill those voids. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'll, let me give you a coaching example here, right? So, you might have someone who has a massive addiction to chocolate. <clears throat> Like us. <laughs> Mate, I'm not just talking about you. There's two people here. Um, like, you know, you have someone who's got a real sweet tooth and just loves their chocolate. And so you might think to yourself, oh, fuck. Oh, I've got to give chocolate up and I can't have anything chocolate ever again. Bullshit. One of the things that we like to do is, is recommend to people and recommend to our clients, like, hey, if you love the taste of chocolate, great. How else can you incorporate that? into what you're doing in more healthy ways. Mm. So why, why can't you put the effort in to making desserts, healthy desserts and healthy treats for yourself that have that chocolate flavour that don't necessarily involve binging out on massive blocks of chocolate? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I have my little smoothie bowls, um, which for, for you listening is where I'll mix up some – I'll stir protein in water – and it turns into like um, a protein powder. And it turns into like a chocolate mousse. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Just makes my day without without question. So I'll add like you know some strawberries, some blueberries. Like if we've got some like you know coconut flakes and things like that. Um, and that hits my 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 love for chocolate because I my love for chocolate has not gone away. No, ever have I sacrificed eating bulk chocolate? Yeah, I have but I've then replaced it with healthier forms of the same thing that I love. So I'm still hitting my sweet tooth. I'm still hitting my love for chocolate, but in ways that don't hit my waistline. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes. All right. Should we move on or anything else you'd like to add here? No, I think I've derailed that conversation enough. I don't think you've derailed it at all because it's your show. We'll pull it back and I think we're up to number seven. All right. Uh, this is me, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Seven, find and create solutions. People here actively seek solutions to their problems and are willing to ask for help. Again, another big, big step forward because to me, 
the real the real key thing here are those last few words, willing to ask for help. Mm. It takes a swallowing of pride. It takes eating a bit of humble pie, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just it is it is a, a normal sort of feeling, especially at the start, to be <sighs> I've got to go do this. Yeah. You know? So this could be um someone who just asks someone else, like, hey, could you help me with this? You know, I, I'm unhappy with where I'm at. I want to improve this. I'm ready to put in the work. Mm-hmm. We, again, straight to a coaching perspective here, we will very regularly get clients at this stage. And if they come through at this level, it's usually where they'll send us through an application that is almost like reading a book. Yeah. So just to be clear on this, Courtney and I have a process, a, a very thorough screening process where if someone wants to to work with us, they've got to answer a pretty extensive list of often confronting, straight-to-the-point questions. Now, sometimes we get people and we tell them, don't give us one- or two-word answers because we can't do shit with that. And they give us fucking one- or two-word answers. Right. Other times, though, we won't get one- or two-word answers. We will get, like, tomes sent to us where it is literally like reading someone's life story but that's that's a sign to me at least they're at this stage yeah straight away they're at this stage like okay we need to talk because we can tell that you're here yes so this is someone that's that's taking action but is also willing to humble themselves and say please help me not i need help i want help Mm. because to me if someone says, I need help, they're not here. We all need help with something in our lives. Yeah. The difference is who wants it. Now, also, though, with clients, this is where you'll get ones who are continually willing to ask for help and support and guidance on the next things they want to work on. So this doesn't necessarily need to be someone who's at the early stages. This could be someone who... It's entirely possible, for example, they've been stuck at, say, the wait and hope stage for a couple of months. And they're like, you know what? Fuck this. Hey, Matt and Courtney, okay, I know what's up. You were right. Or, or, or yeah, I, I can see what's, what's gone wrong here. I want to get past this. Yeah, what should I do? What, what's your advice on this? What, what, what would you like me to do from here? This is where when you get people that are at this stage – they can start to really do some special things for themselves. Yep. I completely agree. Any sort of personal anecdotes here? Well, I think we've already spoken about that when I, you know, hit my point and I've I reached out for help. Mm. Um and yep. I th- I think that, that that's been the, the the times in my journey that not just the first time that um I've you know seen improvements to be made and I've asked for help. Can I um just share an observation with you about you? You've mentioned you mentioned before that sometimes you know, and we're all human. This is nothing unusual. Sometimes you've fallen down the ladder mm-hmm. and you've come back up. Generally with you, in my experience, when you come back up after you've fallen down, you come back up to here at least. Yeah. Because the thing is, once you once you start to be willing to ask for help, you find it easier to ask for help in the future. Mm. You know, it, it might take some time for someone to sort of get their senses back about themselves or sort of feel like themselves again. But especially with you, you'll bounce back and go, right, oh, and what should I do about this, this, and this? Yeah. Or help me with this, this, and that. I I think just from with where you've come from and the way you've gone about things, you are more willing to ask for help than ever about anything. Mm. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, I would agree. And I think that that comes, me personally, I think that comes from a very good um, understanding of it being able to acknowledge reality. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think number five, the acknowledge reality step is so important because to me, it, yeah, every time I've had challenges throughout my 
my personal journey where I have gone backwards, I've been able to acknowledge reality quite quickly, mm-hmm. more and more quickly each time. Yep. I can see it quite quickly and I can see why it's happened very quickly and then I can jump basically straight to, okay, let's find and create solutions. Yep. I like it. Definitely. So let's move on to eight, which is the implementation of solutions, which is a natural progression. So number eight, and this is the top of the ladder, which is implement solutions. People here are all on board and will do whatever it takes. They accept feedback in the name of improvement. This is this is where this is our personal goal of where we want to be ourselves and where we want our clients to be eventually, mm. sooner or later. Now, there's some key words here in my opinion. Yep. The first group of key words, whatever it takes. I want to fix this problem and I don't give a shit what's involved. Let's go. Yes. But then also they accept feedback in the name of improvement. Now, for you listening, take it from us. The ability to take feedback is a skill. Yes. And not many people have it. Because you'll see it when you give someone feedback to help them improve. And what's their first response? Defensive. Oh, what do you mean? Why should I do that? Like, mate. Because we're trying to help you be the person you said you want to be. Thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, that that's when it's really it's a good idea to look at these in stages because that's when I think for a lot of people they can get these stages mixed up. So right there what you just described is somebody who's obviously reached out for help so that at some point they acknowledge the reality they're in mm. and they've taken ownership of it and they've reached out and to try to find solutions, but instead of the implementation of the solutions, they've gone back down to excuses and blaming. Yeah. So this is where it can just get muddled up for a lot of people at different times, and it has for me. Mm-hmm. It definitely hasn't been this straight, oh. you know, this straight level of, oh, yeah, I, I felt this emotion, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. We probably should be clear on this. This isn't a straight climb to the top. No. This is up, down, up, down, two up, three down, three Correct. up, one down. Yes. Um, I I will say personally speaking here, with the things in my life that matter to me the most, this is the standard I work to hold myself to. Yes. Am I going to say I'm perfect? Not in a million fucking years. But this is my personal standard here. The things that are important to me the most and the things I want to achieve the most, if I'm honest about them, I will do whatever it takes Yes. Is that everything in my life? No, of course not. This is a non-negotiable discussion too. Mm. So for my non-negotiables, yep, whatever it takes. And the things that we work on, be it you know personally or, or with our business and our work, feedback in the name of improvement, that's that's the only way to improve. Yes. Is to get is to get you know constructive feedback and take it take it with the intent that it is given. Yes. And that's why it's a skill to have the emotional maturity to look at things like feedback, not as a personal attack, but as an opportunity to go, hey, this is the next step for you to improve along the path to who you want to be or whatever it is you want to achieve. Yes. And there's a, a, there's a barrier that you need to cross where it goes away from being where you think, oh, fucking Matt and Courtney fucking hate me and are taking, you know, taking the piss out of me to, oh, okay, cool. They've identified the next step or a hole in my game that I can now improve. Yeah. From Speaking for just for me here, this is where I get excited by making mistakes or get excited with feedback where it's like, cool, we now have a chance to improve. We can now fill a gap that's yeah. here and make an improvement in something, which is why I get excited with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say I necessarily like making mistakes, but I recognize the opportunity to improve that comes from them. That's the same thing with feedback. Yeah. And as I said, feedback is a skill. Yes. Now, the clients that we've worked with that have had the absolute best results, like, holy shit, what has this person done? They've been at this stage all the time, not necessarily. When it counts the most consistently, 
Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that is a skill. The ability to, to accept feedback in the name of improvement is a skill that transcends just weight loss. Your career? Yeah. Relationships? Absolutely. Friendships? Absolutely. So being able to work on that skill will help in so many different areas um, of life. And it is, for a lot of people, it's an uncomfortable skill to be able to master, but it's essential. It's one that I think leads to exponential growth and exponential improvement and one where the, the discomfort of the feedback starts to go away once you have that maturity with accepting it with the intent with which it's delivered. But also, I think as well, being selective on who you are accepting feedback from. Mm. So, for example, you know, would I accept feedback on, say, weight loss from an overweight personal trainer? <laughs> no. Fuck off. Yeah. No way. Or, you know, sometimes, and this is the thing, here's an example. We love getting feedback from clients because here's the thing, we don't know everything. We haven't figured it all out. We learn from our clients as much as they learn from us. And we like to get feedback from them on, you know, coaching styles, communication, things, things with our processes that they feel that we could improve upon. Now, would we take feedback from someone who has literally done nothing and has just blame shifted the entire time? No fucking way. Do we take feedback from someone who's been in the trenches, has clearly demonstrated that that they give a shit and that they're having a crack? Absolutely, please. Tell us all your feelings, positive, negative, neutral, like hit us. We'll take it all. But just to reiterate, this is the stage and this is the level that we want to get our clients to. It's where we want to get ourselves to and stay there as well. Yep. Yes. Anything you'd like to add? No, I think that's it. I think... I do have one more thing I'd like to add, actually. That's okay. Just something you said before, which is really worth saying, like the, the maturity here, that is required to be at this stage helps you in more areas of your life than just weight loss. Yeah. It's made it's made our, our work better. It's made this podcast better. It's made our business better. You know? Yeah. And I think it makes just our relationship better. It does. I've had be- I've I've had better friendships as a result of this because sometimes I've been a dick without realizing it. Yeah. You know, it's and it's good to get feedback from valued people, from trusted people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the big, the other really big thing to highlight here is you mentioned it before, but I think it's worth ending on it, which yep. is this isn't going to happen one to eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not going to happen one to eight. And also it's not going to happen one to eight quickly. No. Like... The thing is, I the, the last time I can remember myself being in absolute major denial was like the early part of the 2000s to the mid part of the 2000s, which is a long time ago now. We're talking 15 plus years to get up through here. And it hasn't been, as Courtney said, one to eight. No. It's been up, down, up, down, up, down, gradually trending towards up. But then it's been different different trajectories and different speeds with different areas of my life. Yeah, and I'm and I'm the same. I definitely haven't made it all the way down back down to the denial stage, but anything between 2 and 8 has been fair game for me multiple times. So, you know, I have gone, you know, up and down through blaming, excuses, wait and hope, acknowledging reality, finding solutions implementing the solutions back down to wait and hope. That's normal, isn't it? It's it's a, it, it's life. Part of your journey. So, I just want to I think it's important that we highlight that to end this, which is it, these are all important steps, but just know that there is nothing wrong with you if you are going up and down on this. Yeah, if you find yourself repeating steps, that just makes you like everyone else. Yeah. Would you would you though say Courtney, even when there's been times when you've repeated previous steps that you've gotten better 
each time though? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And quicker at recognising each step. So as I mentioned earlier, every time I've, I've gone backwards, the ability for me to acknowledge the reality of the situation has got quicker and quicker yep. to the point now where I can tell you exactly what's happened, why it happened, when when it started to go wrong and where you can improve it. Where now where where I need just need to pull it back down to, to basics and, and not start again, but re um just have a, a, a reboot from there. I would be the exact same. Um it's yeah, I can't say any better than that. So nailed it. So just we'll, we'll wrap the show up. Just for you listening, as I said at the start of the episode, this will be posted all over our socials, but you can also find it straight away now if you go to the show notes page for this episode over at theweightlosspodcast.com. And uh, Courtney, why don't you talk about our Facebook group? Our Facebook group? You mean the one that's called The Weight Loss Podcast? <laughs> Come join our yes. Facebook group um, with a bunch of fantastic people. Except for us. A pair of dickheads and a bunch of fantastic people. But, yeah, it's where we've got um, a whole collection of other like-minded people, just like you and just like us, um, fans of the show, as well as the two people that host it. So you'll find a link to our community group in your podcast app there. But again, you'll also find us on Facebook by just searching for, wait for it, The Weight Loss Podcast. So that's a wrap. Courtney, we're done. Well done. High five. High five. Hopefully you listening have gotten a lot out of this. We would love to get feedback on uh, on what you think of this and where you think you might be at present. So reach out and let us know. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.